Today on Lakers Unfiltered, we have George Sedano from ESPN LA 710. But first, you know, we got to pay those bills. Stay tuned after these commercials. We're going to get right into it with George Sedano. How y'all going to lose Kobe for LeBron? What? And Lonzo Ball? Nah, 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 nah. Step your game up, buddy. Please. Welcome to the Lakers on Filter. 24 Black Mamba, yeah, you know that we kill them. Okay. Any team stepping up, yeah, you know that we drill them. Roger, right. Josh, Jason, really wanna know your opinion. Okay. Uh, welcome to the Lakers on Filter. That's right. Welcome to the Lakers on Filter. Please don't come with that nonsense unless you talking that realness. And if you come with that bull, we let the world hear it. Right. Welcome to the Lakers on Filter. Right. Welcome to the Lakers on Filter. Okay. We really wanna know your opinion. Okay. We really wanna know your opinion. Right. Uh, welcome to the Lakers on Filter. Right. Welcome to the Lakers on Filter. That's right. We really wanna know your opinion. Right. We really wanna know your opinion. Uh, please don't come with that nonsense. Please talk realness. For real. Don't talk none of that stuff that they talk about on Sports Center. None of that. Seriously. Talk that realness. For real. Please. Cause if not. We're gonna let the world hear it. Uh. All right, George, thanks for coming on today with us. First question. So, you know, we we lost to the Blazers. When I say we, the Lakers, lost to the Blazers 193. What do you think we could do differently this next game beyond shoot more than 15% from the three point line. Yeah. Look, I think that obviously <laughs> you pointed it out. You don't want to shoot that poorly from three and look, shooters go through cold streaks. It happens. It's, but I think the strangeness of all of this is that you generally don't see everyone go cold at the exact same time. And that's just been astounding when you look at their play in the bubble and, and look, the Lakers weren't this juggernaut from three point land. They were respectable, you know, were, I think they were 21st in the league, if I recall correctly. And that's enough if you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But I think that to answer your question, if there's something schematically for them to do to change this thing up, I think all of it rides on Anthony Davis wanting to play center. Because if Anthony Davis is willing to play center and play small ball more, which is something he has been reluctant to do, then I think it allows the Blazers to not pack the paint. Like Anthony talked about this recently in his media scrum about how they just drop everyone into the paint. Well, one way to do that is to force Yusuf Nurkic or Hassan Whiteside or if Zach Collins plays, Zach Collins, to come out and guard Anthony Davis out on the perimeter. You know what I mean? And then that allows lanes for LeBron to get to the basket, which then all of a sudden – means the defense for the Blazers, which isn't great, has to rotate, and that creates even more open looks. Now, the Lakers had at least 16 wide open looks in that first game and Mm -hmm. didn't hit very many of them, okay? And what I mean by wide open, we're talking about somebody within, I think, three feet is the the measurement. So, but I think that if you can create some actual movement off the drive and kick game, I think that gives the shooters potentially even more of a a potential to shoot from rhythm. And I I think that could work. But again, it starts with Anthony Davis 
wanting to play center there um, and just bringing the big out, allowing LeBron to kind of create or get to the basket, right, for an easy layup or an easy opportunity at the rim or an opportunity to get to the foul line. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that point. You know, like I understood it during the regular season that he didn't want to play center every game because we needed him for the playoffs. But now that we're here, it's time to put your best lineup out there. You know, like with with, with that being said, like the Lakers have a lot of um, individuals with a lot of playoff experience, but not necessarily as a team. Like this Blazers team basically just went to the Western Conference Finals last year. So they have that team experience in the playoffs is that something that you see as a as a difference in the series um i'm trying to think like i i think that that could play some role you know i don't think it's huge i do i I think that these guys were playing really well before the bubble you know what i mean so um i I know that the playoffs are a different game i'm not disputing that part of it um that's why i'm not trying to dismiss that as as a as a valid point because i do think it, it could play a factor uh, I just think that ultimately this boils down to one of two things. Either you need to change things up, right, to give yourself uh, a, a better opportunity to score easier at the rim, or you just say to yourself, if we play our game, the shots are going to fall, right? But, Man, that's a huge risk to take. I'm more proactive, right? Like yeah. I would be one of the guys that would be, all right, let's change some things up. And it doesn't have to be drastic, right? Because here's the other aspect of this. LeBron James, okay? LeBron James on this team has to handle the ball more than he's ever had to handle the ball ever, <laughs> okay? Because think, sure. about, think about it historically. And look, he's great. At it. There's no question. He led the league in assists for a reason, right? But mm-hmm. think about it this way. In his two championship runs with other teams, he had Dwayne Wade, who could handle the ball and take that pressure off of him whenever he needed it, and allowed him also to play off the ball, right? You know, catch the ball on a cut, right? Uh, drive yeah. to the basket, maybe, you know, he could find him in transition. There were a million ways to get him the ball. Dwayne and and LeBron had that great chemistry together, um, regardless of who had the ball. Uh, Kyrie and him had some of that too, right? Kyrie was younger. He was also more shifty. Like he literally could take the ball uh, and isolate um, even more so than Dwayne possibly uh, at that stage of his career and just give LeBron a break, both mentally and physically. There's no one on this roster currently that can do that outside of Deion Waiters and Rajon Rondo. And, and, and even those guys are limited to an extent. Rondo is a organizer, right? He's not a guy who is going to shoot the ball. He's not necessarily shaking and baking and getting guys, uh, you know, in isolation. But, you know, he can get to the rim. He can break a guy down if he needs to. Deion Waiters, younger. Um, maybe not in as good a shape as he would probably need to be. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. He wasn't in great shape in Miami. Uh, I would assume he's in better shape now. Um, but he has the skill set to help you there. And again, I don't think you need to bench guys. I'm not saying you bench KCP. I'm not saying you bench Danny Green. I wouldn't touch Danny Green. I, I feel like Danny Green has proven enough over his career that he's going to hit shots and he just goes through these cold spells, right? whether it's the Spurs or with Toronto, like that's been the case in the past. But with KCP, 
we have we've seen where he doesn't always play great with um against above 500 competition right like not it's 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 a little bit of a thing and because of that i feel like maybe you take some minutes away from him and you give a little bit to Dion. Um, maybe if Rondo does come back and he's questionable, then you give uh, Rondo some of those minutes. And make sure you keep Caruso on the floor because Caruso and LeBron as a pairing is good, particularly defensively. So that's the type of stuff I would do and consider. But I would consider giving Dion Waiters some of KCP's minutes. I'm not asking you to wreck the rotation. <laughs> Um, I just think that at some point you have to stop being loyal to KCP because yes, your, your process has worked if you're the Lakers for an entirety of the season, but now you've got a decent sample size of it not working so great. So someone like Dion yeah. who can initiate, right. Doesn't need LeBron to get him a bucket. Right. And he can do that drive and kick game. I think that helps. And Rondo obviously helps there too. Rondo Maybe not as shifty, obviously, as Dion. Certainly can't shoot like Dion. Um, but he takes the load off of LeBron some. And that's just kind of the goal, right? Like what I was really alluding to is you need guys that can just take the, the load off of LeBron from a ball handling perspective and either go get buckets, right, or drive and kick like Dion or organize and drive and kick like Rondo. Yeah, which is why when I saw the the stat line he put up, like that, it looks great. He had you know, twenty plus points, fifteen plus assists, fifteen plus rebounds, but it's almost like he's doing too much work, mm-hmm. right? Like like we 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 don't need him to do all of that necessarily in one game. Yeah, and again, because so, those and because guys aren't knocking down shots, right? Like him and AD uh, can't really get to the rim as easily, right? And they also don't want to put themselves in foul trouble with offensive fouls and things like that. Um, you don't want to force the action so much. I know that fans love to go to that, right? Like, well, just go to the basket. Um, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. the problem yeah. is these guys are monsters, LeBron and AD. <laughs> so when they go in, you know, into the painted area and a guy falls, there is a legit chance that they can get called for an offensive foul. Like, and that you don't want that either. Yeah, so, so you know, I, I know that you've covered LeBron back in Miami. So you, you speak the language of LeBron. <laughs> and I'm not sure if, if you saw the interview with, with Chris Haynes, the little snippet I saw. There's, there's, he's like alluding to some, something going on behind the scenes, but he says it has nothing to do with the, quote, team chemistry. So the only thing that I can think of, if it's not family related, is like a coaching situation. You think that he is happy with the current coaching situation? Yeah, with Frank I, I, I don't think this has anything to do with Frank Vogel. I think that Frank Vogel falls in that umbrella of everything is fine with the Lakers in the locker room. Okay. Um, okay. If I had to guess, and again, this is just a guess, like I don't know anything. I'm not in Orlando. I'm not in the bubble. I'm not communicating uh, at the moment with anyone within the Lakers. Uh, I just, you know, look, I've followed the guy's career and I've now covered him uh, for a second time, right? So... Yeah, I know that he has a process about getting his body right. And he looked incredible before the suspension of the season. Those last two games against the Bucks and the Clippers, he looked like, hey, playoff LeBron, right? Or close to playoff yeah. LeBron. And he has a specific ramp up on how to get his body right. 
and hit peak performances in mid-April, right? The man has done a specific calendar for almost a decade, right? Or the better part of a decade, right? And now this whole thing gets thrown out of whack because you're off for four months. Then you're back in the bubble. You're doing these truncated training camps. His body is used to a certain clock and a certain rhythm. And it's funny because it dawned on me because one of his first Zoom calls, someone asked him what the biggest challenge would be. If I recall correctly, that was the question. But he specifically cited how, oh, I remember what it was. Someone asked if they thought that a potential layoff would help or hurt him. And he says, I don't know. If I had to guess, it, would, it, it, it probably may not help because I, I put my body through a certain ramp up to get to a certain point so I can be peaking at the right time. So he alluded to that a long time ago at the beginning of the pandemic. So as I kind of start to look at the way he's playing, he doesn't look as loose to me as he's looked prior to the stoppage. Right. Um, And again, this is just me using the eye test and just kind of piecing things together. Right. Like again, it's all speculation, but if I had to guess, I think it's that I think it's just, he doesn't have his body in the right place uh, where he normally would have it when you're getting ready or in the playoffs because the calendar has been thrown all out of whack. So I think if I was guessing, that would be my best guess. So with game two tonight, what do you see as like the, the keys or the adjustments that the Lakers should make to get back in the series? Because if they lose tonight, it's going to be hard it be hard to beat them four out of the next five games if, if you know, if you don't. Yeah, win. I'm with you. Like, you tonight is as close to a must win as you can get, right? Like, um, I, look, they, they got to go out there and do what I told you at the beginning, right? They got to hit shots, right, in some way, shape, or form. And if it's not working with your traditional lineups, you're going to have to start to do things differently. And, again, I'm not talking about wrecking the rotation. I'm just saying give Deion Waiters a few minutes and see what it looks like. Um you know, just have someone else out there. Have Anthony Davis play small. As Look, I know Dwight played really well the other day. But having two bigs out there puts you in a situation where Portland is going to match up with two big men, you know, with Nurkic and Whiteside. Yeah. And I remember during the scrimmage games, I was watching Portland. I'm pretty sure they were playing Philly. Um, I don't recall at the exact moment, like, who it was. But I remember – talking about this on my radio show and saying, I saw Hassan Whiteside and Nurkic playing minutes together in this scrimmage. And I was like, I I think that's for the Lakers because they hadn't done it in the other scrimmages. And they finally started to to put it out there. And that's exactly what it seems like is happening right now. They've got those two guys out there. Um, They could eventually have Zach Collins out there too. So I think that the only way you combat that is by making AD the center and going small. And if they go small ball, like I mentioned earlier, I think all the stuff starts to open up for them. But AD has been reluctant to play center a lot. And it's not just here with the Lakers. It was in New Orleans. Uh, So much so. Yeah, yeah, so much so. I'll never forget. I did a game uh, between the Pelicans and Pistons a couple of years ago on the sidelines. And I asked Alvin Gentry, why is it you guys – um, and I've told this story before on radio and TV, but um, 
I asked Gentry, why is it you guys announced Nikola Miritich as your center? And he's like, ah, you know, AD doesn't like to be called a center. He doesn't like to play center. So we just, we have Miritich be, you know, you know, uh, announced as the center. And then AD is the power forward. You know, and it's just like, (laughs) wow, it's that deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of wild, but you know, everybody's got little quirks, um, you know, and he, this is his thing, but he's going to have to get over it if they're going to try to win. You know, I think that that's, that's my suggestion. Yeah, and you know, and I think after after game one, everyone's panicking. But I mean, if really the Lakers played really well on defense, if they would have just shot twenty five percent from yes. the three point line, yes. they win the game. Yes, you know, and yes. That's, that's, and by the way, um, also their free throws weren't good either. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron missed four at the end. Um, I also thought it was strange that Vogel didn't try to foul down five with thirty something seconds to go. Uh, I mean, listen. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Vogel had a good game either, to be honest with you. And I like Frank a lot. I have been a big Frank proponent, but I didn't think he had a great coaching performance either. And and look, I was at a game in the NBA Finals where LeBron and those guys were down five points with twenty eight point two seconds to go, and ended up winning. It ended up, you know, in a Ray Allen three pointer from the corner. Okay, so. Yeah, so exactly. you got to yeah. – I was stunned that they didn't at least give it a try. Now, that's a once-in-a-million type of thing. But, hey, man, you you got to at least try. Right, now. yeah, I was surprised they didn't yeah. foul in that situation. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's funny to say that you held someone to 36 points with Damian Lillard, but, like, the way that he's been going, I, I, I think they played a, a pretty good defensive – Yes. Yeah, well. I thought that the third quarter specifically, they did a really good job. Um, and, you know, the Lakers were able to build on some of that momentum, stay within, uh, you know, a reasonable amount. And then they took the lead, you know, uh, in early in the fourth yeah. quarter. It looked like Portland was wearing down. Uh, Kuz and Caruso were out there. And then this is another thing I thought Frank um, may have, in retrospect, would probably would have done differently is he probably would have ridden the hot hand of Kuz and Caruso in that lineup uh, with those guys um, and not reinserted KCP and Danny Green, perhaps. Um, But look, you know, coaches are creatures of habit too, man. You know what I mean? But uh, sometimes, you know, the the guys who have won championships, okay, and I've covered a a number of them, from Eric Spolstra to Pat Riley to Greg Popovich and – you know, the like, right? Even Nick Nurse, who I became pretty close with uh, last season. Um, those guys are willing to try stuff, you know? And, yeah. and I think that you can't be married, you know, to, to whatever you were doing in the regular season. And, and again, it's not to dismiss process because process matters. But process helps certainly create structure and a clear delineation. But in the playoffs – you're going to run into things that you didn't see in the regular season. And there are going to be challenges that present themselves and injuries and all sorts of things. And, and it doesn't have to be significant injuries, right? It could just be tweaks. A guy's not a hundred percent, right? He's got a little bit of an ankle thing. Maybe he's got a little bit of a calf strain, right? You know what I mean? Like it's not enough to keep him out of the game, but they're limited in some way, shape or form. And I'm not saying that's what's happening with the Lakers, but it happens with every team at this stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so I think that you have to, kind of go by feel a little bit occasionally um, because process is great during the regular season and it's great when it's working, but when it's not working, you have to be able to understand that in a short series, there's going to be some variance 
And you're going to have to be able to react to that uh, when things kind of can go sideways. And not just stick to the book. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, pe- people argue about that with baseball a lot. And I get it with baseball, too. Um, but same concept. Over a 162-game season, yeah, of course it's going to work, you know, more times than not. But when you're talking about a five-game series in baseball or a seven-game series uh, and the same in basketball and we have seven-game series, crazy stuff happens, man. And then all of a sudden you're like, eh, uh-oh, now what do we do? You know what I mean? And, and I get being loyal to your guys. And I get, you know, keeping, you know, not changing what you do. Shaq was always big at saying that. Like, do what you do, you know? And, but, I, but I also think that it's on the coach to know when to make changes. And whether it's the guy, you know, Spolstra or Nick Nurse or Pop or Pat Riley, all these guys that I've covered over the years covering the NBA, um, you know, Steve Kerr, they, they've all made adjustments in a series where you're like, ooh, I wonder how that's going to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's the difference sometimes. You have to be willing to take a risk, right? And you have to weigh the risk versus the reward, you know? All right, so one last question, or just complete hypothetical, you know? Like, so for me, I don't want to see – Damian Lillard in a game seven. So it's important for them to, if they're going to win, they got to win in six because I don't want it to come down to a, a game seven because he's been playing game sevens the whole time Correct. he's been in the bubble and yeah. he's been tearing it up. So so do you think it's important for them, to, you know, if if they're going to win in the first round to get him out? Yeah, you six. don't want to get to a game seven because it's a coin flip. You're right. And especially now more than ever, it's a coin flip because there's no home court advantage. Like game seven, yeah. I think, Whatever game sevens we get during these playoffs are going to be incredible because it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen because you don't have that. You don't have the home crowd. You don't have any of that. So the, the, in theory, the road team or the underdog in that situation should have more of an advantage than they've had previously in other series because of that. Like you're just taking all of this stuff away. All right, George. Well, I, we really appreciate you and all your time. Thanks for all the uh, reconnects. Oh, man, listen, no problem. I'm happy to do it. Best of luck to you guys. And, uh, you know, I, I, think for, I think you'll be okay. I, I don't think they're going to get to a game seven. I think they're going to win in six if, uh, if you're asking me what I think here on the way out. So I think you'll be okay. Just calm down. But enjoy it. Enjoy the ride, man. It's been seven years since – the team has been oh, yeah, in the exactly. playoffs. So enjoy all of it. The good, the bad, the bumps, the, you know, the highs, the lows. That's what makes this thing fun. Right, you got to take care, man. Thank you. Hey, we just want to thank George for hanging out with us for that 20 minutes he gave us today. Um, make sure you guys go subscribe to his podcast. Go listen to his show on ESPN LA 710. Every day from four to seven with LZ. I can tell you what what we really need to enjoy was this interview. George, thanks once again. It's been a pleasure. Hope to get you back soon.